This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Well, here we are on the final day in the month of May. I hope you've enjoyed all the shows we've featured this month and look forward to having you tune in over the summer months, maybe from your cottage or even the tent in some provincial park. Well, all right, what's on tap for tonight's show? Well, I'm going to take you back to 1949, when Harry S. Truman is sworn in for a full term as president of the U.S., rationing of clothes ended in Britain, and world heavyweight boxing champion Joe Lewis retires. Here in Canada, Newfoundland became Canada's 10th province, Leslie Frost becomes Premier of Ontario, and British Columbia gives Asian Canadians the vote. And on radio, one of the most popular shows was Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. The premise was based on the painstaking accounting records of the insurance investigator as he began each show detailing every penny that was owed to him by the various insurance companies that would hire him. While always a friend of the police, Johnny wasn't necessarily a stickler for the strictest interpretation of the law. He was willing to let something slide to satisfy his own sense of justice, as long as the interests of his employer were also protected. So, let's see what adventures he gets up to tonight in the episode, Skull Canyon Mine. This is another in the adventures of America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, Johnny Dollar. At insurance investigation, Johnny Dollar is only an expert. At making out his expense account, he's an absolute genius. Expense account submitted by special investigator Johnny Dollar to Old Caledonia Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Attention, Oscar M. Wheaton, Chief Investment Counsel. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during my investigation of suspected skullduggery in the Skull Canyon Mine. Or, uh, Mr. Bones, who was that lady I seen you with last night? Or, messing with a mule train is one good way to kick off. Expense account item one. 25 cents. Tipped the busboy who brought telephone to my table at the Blue Danube Restaurant, Robertson Boulevard, Los Angeles. Uh, where I happened to be uh, working on a case. Your call came right after the liver dumpling soup, taking me out of the soup plate and putting me in the soup. Now, this is the story, Dollar. You make notes and don't interrupt. Two years ago, this company made an investment in a bona fide working gold mine, the Skull Canyon Mine. That's just outside Twin Buttes, Arizona. I see. I said don't interrupt. That's just over the border from Nogales, Mexico. Now, up until three months ago, everything was fine. The profits shown by the mine were good, and then suddenly... Our returns dropped 50%. However, operating expenses, man hours, and so on remain the same, indicating there's been no fall-off in the removal of high SAR. Now, there's something wrong. 
We want you to go down there and find out what it is. Expense account? Item two. $12.80. I decided that since you'd invited yourself to the table, dinner at the Blue Danube was on you. Oh, in case you're interested in what you didn't have, it was uh, that liver dumpling soup, veal paprikash, curry strudel, and a small coffee. Enjoyed with that case I was working on, an eccentric millionaires who wanted to marry me for her money. She had yes, yes in her eyes, but when I told her I had to say goodnight immediately, she said, Oh, no. Expense account, item three, $120, Burns Lee Flying Service. Charter plane to Twin Buttes, where I checked into the Waterfield Hotel, called the mine, and told the girl who answered that I wanted transportation out there. She said she'd come after me. Having seen too many Western movies, I figured she'd arrive in a buckboard, but instead she picked me up in a Jeep. Oh. Hey, slow down, will you? Before my teeth start falling out. Oh, sorry. I, um, forgot you were tenderfoot. That's not where I'm tender. Oh. Uh, by the way, Miss Morland, how far is it out to the mine? 23 miles. Oh, no. Is the road like this all the way? Oh, no. About another half mile out of town, there isn't any road at all. Oh, oh. oh if I ever lived through this. From now on, I'm taking my bumps in the burlesque theater. Oh. Much better than walking, mister. <laughs> Say, uh, you said you're out here representing the owner. Uh. What's your job? Uh, well, I'm a, an efficiency expert. Oh. Uh, speaking of efficiency, what's your first name? Jackie. Oh, well, in that case, mine should be Gwendolyn. But it's not. It's Johnny. Well, let's not bother shaking hands on it, pal. Here comes the end of the road. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> scenery was jumping around like a home movie. My teeth were trying to find out how much abuse my uppers would take from my lowers. I felt like I was gradually being hammered down from a tall, thin man into a short, round one. And there I was, caught without my rhinestone-studded motorcycle belt. Want me to help you out? Oh, very funny. <laughs> get away. Get lost, you little monster. I admit I look like a bag of bones, but I'm too young to die. Go on, I'll beat it. Oh, be a good dog now. Lie down, Nugget. Down. Yeah, Nugget, drop dead. This is the mine office? This is it. Well, Dollar, welcome to Skull Canyon. I'm Doyle, the manager out here. I'd be happier to meet you if I met you in town. Mr. Dollar's in a foul mood, Jeff. That ride was a little too much for him. That ride would have been a little bit too much for Buffalo Bill. <laughs> well, that's how Jackie keeps that figure as trim as she does. Now, come on inside, Dollar. That's where the books are, and that's where the chairs are. With cushions, I hope. I'll see you guys. All right. Sit down. Thanks. Oh. Oh. Well, there you are. You'll find all the figures right in that big, fat book. Yeah. All but Jackie's. Well, I'm not in any hurry to do my arithmetic. Tell me, uh, what do you think of the results around here? You know more about it than I do? How are things going? Well, Dollar, I'll tell you. It was going better than it is right now. Mm-hmm. Just a few months back, we worked out a pay vein. I'm hoping we'll pick it up again any day now. That sounds reasonable. Any trouble? 
Help, equipment, working conditions? Well, working conditions could be a lot better, but that, that's a geographical problem. You see, the mine is located here, and the big water supply is eight miles west. We haul the ore across the desert by mule train to the smelter. It's cheaper than trucks. We'd have to build a road for them. Not here, hay is cheaper than gasoline. Uh, you'd um, like to take a look at the mine? Frankly, Mr. Doyle, I'd just as soon climb up a chimney. I hate dark, confined spaces. But since it's part of my job, I might as well get it over with. The entrance into the mine was through an attic, a horizontal shaft into the side of a hill. We rode in on the tail end of a small red dynamite car, drawn by a donkey junior grade, a burrow. It was cooler in there, but I started to sweat the minute we left sunlight and fresh air behind us. I could hear the jackhammers nibbling little gold ear bobs out of the quartz rock for the Christmas tree. Then I heard them stop, and Doyle told me why. Uh, sounds like they're about ready to blast. Oh, great. Oh, open your mouth and cover your eyes. hundred and fifty yards deeper into the earth, I was beginning to think that mankind is mighty hard to satisfy. The Lord gave us the world's whole surface. Then we had to go and invent gold mines and airplanes. And right then, I'd have settled for an airplane. Oh, what's the matter, Dollar? You look a little green. Oh, feel a little green. Well, look, look, take some deep breaths and hold them as long as you can. Okay. Yeah, there, that's, that'll work you up. Well, this is it. Right here is the only place we're working. Ah, uh, doesn't help. So this is it, huh? Well, let's see the rest of it. Well, I told you, this is it. This is the only face we're working. Okay, you guys. Keep it moving. Hold that off. Fill them up. Come on, bend your back. <laughs> well, let's get out of here, Dollar. Okay, Doyle. I've seen what I came to see. And I also figured I had heard what I came to hear. Dinner that night I had with Doyle and Jackie, and the steak they served gave me a rough idea of what they did with their old burrows. Doyle's attitude gave me a rough idea that maybe he'd seen my eyes light up when I heard those jackhammers snorting away in some other part of the mine, just after he had told me that where we were standing was the only place being worked. After dinner, Doyle went back to the mine, leaving me alone with Jackie, which was better than dessert. Uh, by the way, Jackie, just what's your job out here? Oh, I'm just sort of a secretary and bookkeeper and chief driver. Uh-huh. How'd you happen to land here in Skull Canyon? Well, I took the job because I was going to marry the man who was the manager then, Doyle's old boss. I met him in college. He was a mining engineer. His name was Larry Hodges. Well, what happened? I was left at the altar. When I got out here, he was gone. Guess he got stage fright and changed his mind. Anyway, nobody's heard from him since. Least of all me. Come on, I'll show you where you sleep. It was a real romantic night. Old Nugget the dog was carrying on a long-distance conversation with his country cousins, the coyotes up in the hills. The air was soft and warm, and so was Jackie's arm. Stars hung low. 
and so did my spirits when she bid me goodnight after she introduced me to my roommate. Hiya, sonny. An old mule skinner named Kangaroo. Uh, make yourself comfortable. Oh, by chance. Well, better than a sand bed and a saddle pillar. Oh. Hey, uh, for a pine shack, this has a mighty fancy floor. What is it, mahogany? No, tobacco juice. <laughs> Helps keep out the sidewinders. What do you mean, help? Little snake critters crawl in out of the hot sun to get cool. Where are you from, sonny? Uh, Hartford, Connecticut. Well, I'll be turned to. I don't reckon it shows through, but I'm an Easterner myself. I'm out from New York State 53 years ago. Little town of Prattville. Howdy seat it was. Hmm, that's pretty dull. What'd you say? Oh, nothing. Say, uh... Are you the one that handles the mules on the run out to the smelter? I'm one of them. Well, how's chances of hitching a ride with you in the morning? You'll have to get up early. All right, then I'll get up early. Well, then stop wasting your breath on a lot of dang fool words. Use some on the kerosene lamp. Quick! Right. I lay awake thinking about that jackhammer I'd heard working the supposedly inactive end of the Skull Canyon mine earlier that day. This didn't take too much pounding into my skull before I decided that Doyle was working on a vein for his own personal profit. I also knew that for him to convert the ore into gold, he had to get it to a smelter. So I figured that the mule skinner, Kangaroo, was the best place to start asking questions. Ah, it's funny how a sleepless night can sour the beauty of a desert sunrise. Get there. Sun's getting awful hot. Why, it ain't nothing, Sonny. Some days that old sun's got your tongue hanging out your fur. Gets a real nice tan. Uh, how do you stand it? Hey, what's that stomach pump doing way out here? Stomach pump? What in tarnation are you talking about? Uh, that's a clever name for a light airplane. Hey, looks like he's getting ready to give us a buzz. Hey, hey, mules! Hey, you, Monroe! If you ever want to panic a team of mules, just buzz them with an airplane. The second thing I learned was that little canyon we were approaching was loaded with armed horsemen who came galloping out like they were trying to make history at San Ferran. The 
gunman didn't do anything to me except hold me at bay while the plane picked itself a landing and disgorged its one-man air force. Buenos dias, amigos. Why, you all look happy to see me. Maybe my friend scares you with their gloves, eh? Hey, old man. Who is this new boy who rode with you today? His name's Dollar. Right now, I wish it was Hopalong Cassidy. Well, let me introduce myself. They call me El Puerco. That's because I look like a pig. <laughs> but maybe it is because I'm so greedy, too. I want what you got with you. Why, Galdin, your miserable son beats high. Now, take it easy, old timer. It's okay. All I've got on me is a wristwatch and a few bucks. Let them have them. And besides, what's he going to do with a wagon load of unrefined gold ore? <laughs> you talk like a little boy. I know what you have with you, and I know where it is. It's under the seat, the little white bags, $30,000 of pure gold. In just a moment, we will return to the second act of Johnny Dollar. But first, hardly a clue to start on, and the witnesses' stories at hopeless variance. That was the job that the Birmingham, Alabama police faced in the murder called The Case of the Hue and Cry. Later tonight on Gangbusters, Birmingham's own police chief comes to CBS to tell you how they tracked down the apparently unmotivated murder. Be sure to hear this true-to-life police story, reenacted on Gangbusters. Gangbusters and the Adventures of Philip Marlowe are regular Saturday night features on most of these same CBS stations. Now, with our star, Charles Russell, we return to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. So there I was, Johnny Dollar, efficiency expert. I had efficiently gotten myself in trouble. I was efficiently letting El Puerco walk off with a large pot of your gold and stood a good chance of efficiently getting myself shot in the belly. There we are, amigos. I feel better now the gold is in my little aeroplane. I hope you're not mad with me. You know, I need the money to pay my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, you got what you wanted. Why don't you take off and get out of here? That ding-dang rascal, he's probably figured on shooting us. Oh, no, old man. I'm a very scientific bandido. You think I want to shoot you and get killed myself for murder? Oh, no. I let your mules do the dirty work. Well, Manuel, Pedro, Juanito, here, adelante. This man and tie them up. Tie them to the stake back to back. And the rest of you tie up the mules in a circle around them. In nice and close. Then I will get in my little aeroplane and dive on the mules. And the mules will kick their heads off. <laughs> Pitching horseshoes may be fun, but not when they're being pitched at your head by a mule. Once we were tied back to back on the stake, the nearest available technical advisor, Kangaroo, was anything but encouraging. That's your trouble with a gold-dern mule. When they get riled up, they think with their feet. 
Here he comes. Showed him. Yeah. I ain't stunned mules 40 years for nothing. I can handle them. Oh, nice going, kangaroo. Now, listen, Sonny, I got me an idea. Yeah, what is it? Well, go something like this. <laughs> hey! <laughs> oh! Just as the idea, whatever it was, hit kangaroo, a hook from one of the mules scored a ringer around my cranium. Ah, the stars look beautiful. They came out in the shape of a horseshoe. And as I slipped into that familiar Betty Bye for private eyes, the world of hit-on-the-head darkness, I could hear Kangaroo's advice, too little and too late. Ah, uh, you see? You can never trust a mule. Never trust a mule. Never trust a mule. A long time later, the curtains of my eyelids went up on the next act. But something was wrong. The stage was still dark. The stars were still there, but not in a horseshoe pattern. I closed my eyes and dreamed some more. I was lying near an oasis in the Sahara Desert, and a beautiful maiden was bending over me, kissing me. She was breathing hard. She could have used some sense then. Huh? Nugget, get away from me, you mangy cur. Nugget, get away from me. Johnny, thank you. Huh, what? Jackie. Oh, what are you doing out here? Well, take it easy, pal. It's a darn good thing I am out here. You getting yourself kicked in the head. Let's just say the wrong end of a horse got mixed up with the wrong end of a mule. Where's the kangaroo? Where are the mules? What's going on? Johnny, relax, relax. Kangaroo and the mules are on their way back to the mine. Oh, where's uh, Pancho Tortilla? Who? There was a Mexican bandit out here. The greatest piece of typecasting since the Gutenberg Bible. Oh, El Puerco. Yeah. Yeah, Kangaroo told me about him. Come on now. Try to get up. Come on. Oh. Uh, yeah. Hey, hey, what happened to you? Your clothes are all torn. Yeah. This is Mr. Doyle's idea of a proposal of marriage. We were hmm? supposed to fly off together to South America tonight. Been planning it for a long time. Well, what made you change your mind? Oh, you know how it is. Best laid plans of mice and men. Oh, yeah. I'm talking to an expert. If everything went all right for me, where would I be next week? Same time, same station. But what's your angle? I told you before. I came out to Skull Canyon to marry a man. I've reason to believe that Doyle did away with him. To get his job so he could milk the mine. Well, I stayed on and acted just interested enough in Doyle to get him nice and relaxed. Hoping he'd spill something. Well, so far all it's been is bragging up life in South America with him. Mm. Now, I I hope you can help me. And I know I can help you. How? Well, Doyle set up a refining layout right in the mine. When the gold he's been stealing comes out, it's pure gold. Aha. Uh-huh. Then somebody in the mine must have tipped off El Puerco. Mm-hmm, Doyle did. Oh. He and El Puerco are working together. El Puerco's job was to get the gold across the border and you out of the way. I see. Well, listen, you ever been in the mine? I mean, could you show me the way the refining layout? Oh, no, no. Doyle's never let me inside. Well, how about the charts of the mine? They're in the safe. I've got the combination. If we can just get in without Doyle seeing me, I can get them. Now, leave that to me. Come on, let's get going. Wait a minute. How do we get back? Well, I came out in the jeep. Oh, my aching head. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
this is close enough, Star Eyes. We better pull up right here. All right. Nugget, quiet. Say, the wedding may be off, but it sounds like the reception is still on. No, that's the regular Saturday night square dance. Oh. Well, look, from here, which way is the office? I- I'm lost. Right over here. Oh. Come on, I'll show you. You were in the next room. When we round the corner of the office building, my heart was doing a dozing go. safe was open, and so was the mouth of the fellow in front of us. But he wasn't saying anything. He was lying on the floor, dead. El Puerco, the pig. Oh, what a spot for a big red apple. Johnny, dead. He must come back for something. Kangaroo must have caught up with him. Uh, whoever caught up with him, caught up with him, but good. Come on, let's go take a look for Kangaroo. Careful, darling. Doll may be in there. Boy, tight spots really give that word darling a good workout, don't they? Okay, darling. Wait out here. I'll be careful. Uh, say, partner, you seen kangaroo around here? Kangaroo? Yeah. Well, sure. Kangaroo came in here uh, looking for Doyle. Well, did he find him? Well, uh, don't know. Doyle went over to the mine. Is that where kangaroo went? Well, if I was looking for Doyle, that's where I'd go. Thank you, bottleneck. I don't know why I was in such a hurry heading straight into trouble. But the trouble started popping before we got to it. Oh, poor kangaroo. Jackie was only guessing, but I could only hope she wasn't guessing right. Johnny, hmm? Johnny I thought I saw something flashing just inside. Probably somebody's last spark of life. Now, take it easy. You stay right here. I'll move in from the side of the entrance. No, I don't... All right. Be careful. Oh. He sure got you good, partner. Okay, Jackie. You can relax. The right man got it. You're play mad. Mr. Doyle. Hey, kangaroo! You can come on now. Everything's all right. Trust Jackie and Dollar. Hey, what are you? Don't make a move. Shoot stop. Hey, what? Harry. Hey, what? Harry, you mean the guy you thought was dead? The guy you were supposed to marry? Yes. Oh, Larry. Larry died. No. I'll kill you. interest was feeding your mules so that you didn't get mixed up in all that shooting. Yep. Poor. Well, I'll tell you. When three bad eggs like Hodges and Doyle and El Puerco get together double-crossing each other, they all gotta wind up in the omelet. 
again. Sure feels good to get your boots off. That uh, Larry feller thought he was pretty smart, holding up in that mine with his own private smelter, using Doyle for a front. The only thing was he didn't figure on Doyle falling in love with his woman. Yeah, who wouldn't? Hey, for a young fella, you sure talk a lot. How about using some of that breath you're wasting on that kerosene lamp, huh? Right. Expense account, item four, $6.10. One quart snake bite medicine, 32 ounces of prevention in uh, case a snake should bite me. Item five... $3.40 with which I purchased the nicest gift I could think of for a gal in Jackie Moreland's position. A telegram to you, requesting that you give her a job she very much deserved. The managership of the Skull Canyon Mine. You see, when she first found out that man she was going to marry didn't love her, she took out her affection in the territory. Which makes me very sorry that I wasn't born in the state of Arizona. Uh, expense account item six, $164.35. Uh, transportation, Twin Buttes to Hartford. Uh, expense account total, $947.99, which makes just about as much sense as you can make without making a dollar. Signed, yours, uh, no charge for that double talk. Uh, truly, Johnny Dollar. <laughs> Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Gordon T. Hughes and stars Charles Russell. Script by Paul Dudley and Gil Dowd. Featured in the cast were Doris Singleton, John Daner, Willard Waterman, Fred Howard, and Don Diamond. The special music is written and conducted by Leith Stevens. Your announcer is Paul Masterson. Stay tuned for Phil Harris and Alice Fay next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Time for a visit with Phil Harris and Alice Fay. Now, Phil had been a mainstay and musical director for the Jack Benny program. Fay had been a frequent guest on programs such as Rudy Valley's. In 1946, they were invited to co-host The Fitch Bandwagon, a musical variety and comedy show that had been a Sunday night fixture on NBC since 1938, featuring such orchestras as Tommy Dorsey, uh, Harry James, and Freddie Martin. And even though many people thought that the Fitch bandwagon was lucky to be sandwiched in between Jack Benny at 7 p.m. and Edgar Bergen at 8 p.m. on NBC, the growing popularity of the Harris-Fay family sketches turned the program into their own comic vehicle in 1947. And when announcer Bill Foreman hailed good health to all from Rexall on October 3rd of 48, the Phil Harris Alice Fay Show launched its independent life under Rexall's sponsorship with a debut storyline about the fictitious day the couple signed their sponsorship deal. The show was a quick success, and its position in the powerhouse NBC Sunday lineup didn't hurt either. Well, let's listen in as the squabbles continue in the episode Dinner for Teacher. Good health to all from Rexall. And 
now your Rexall family druggist brings you the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. Written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Janine Roos, and Whitfield. Walter Sharp and his music, yours truly, Bill Foreman, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. The Harris family has just returned home from church. They attended afternoon Easter services, and Alice seems a little perturbed about the children's behavior. I'm surprised at the way you children acted in church. Phyllis, you should know better than to whisper to your sister during the sermon. I'm sorry, Mommy. And as for you, you squirmed and fidgeted in your seat, and worst of all, why did you take your shoes off? My little tootsies were killing me. <laughs> I was talking to Alice. Girls, go change your clothes for dinner. Willie, will you stay and have dinner with us? Oh, well, I'd like to, Alice, but I have a date. Oh, I'm sorry you can't stay, Willie. You see, I've invited the Creightons for dinner, and I know you enjoy their company. Oh, yes, the Creightons are very interesting. Don't you think so, Philip? Oh, to be sure. <laughs> Just think, we're having the Creightons for dinner. What a thrill, what a pleasure, what an honor. What's a Creighton? <laughs> Mrs. Creighton is the children's school principal. I met her at church and invited her and her husband for dinner. The school principal? Oh, goody. <laughs> oh, we're in for a racy evening. <laughs> Don't be sarcastic. Well, I told him to come over early, so I'd better get things ready. Yeah, you go oil the magic lantern, and I'll dust off the stereoptican slides. <laughs> Alice, with all the swell teachers they got at the school, why do you have to invite this Creighton character and her husband? Well, that's no way to talk. They're very nice people. Well, maybe so. But I ain't got nothing in common with Mr. Creighton. He went to Harvard. And I'm a Yale man. <laughs> <laughs> Why, we're natural-born enemies. Our schools have been rivals forever. All right, Bula Bula. <laughs> Philip, you went to Yale? Well, naturally, Willie. He's a whiffin' poop. <laughs> Haven't you ever heard his famous school song? Under the table down at Maury's, that's the place where Philby dwelled. <laughs> at the dear old temple bar he loved Thank so. you, Rudy Valley. <laughs> oh, you vagabond mother. <laughs> well, if you'll excuse me, I'd better get the roast started. Hey, Alice, you better make something else instead of roast. Why? It don't agree with Frankie. Frankie's coming to dinner? Who invited him? He did. Now, look, Phil, I'm not going to have Frankie around while the Creightons are here. He's liable to insult them, and besides, his table manners are atrocious. They are not. He's very polite. He always tips his hat when a lady comes to the table. <laughs> it's important that this dinner go off smoothly. So you'll have to tell Frankie we can't have him. Tell him we haven't got enough food. Fine thing. On account of a couple of old squares, I can't have my pal eat with us. Excuse me, Philip. Before I leave, I'll go see if I can help Alice prepare dinner. Oh, you'll be a great help, Prudence. <laughs> what can you do? I can whip the potatoes. <laughs> Well, I doubt it, Muscles, but give it a try. <laughs> hey! If they fight back, call me, will you? 
hand up. Keep your head down, bud. I can whip the potato. Comes on like Thor, don't he? I can't understand it. I've already invited Frankie to dinner. Now, how am I... Uh-oh, that must be him now. How am I going to tell Remley's not wanted? Hiya, Curly. Happy Easter. And what are we having for dinner? <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but I'm having roast beef. You see, Frankie, we... We can't... Well, that is... Well, well, we don't... Um, what are you trying to tell me? <laughs> Well, to put it blunt, Alice invited somebody else over to dinner. She doesn't have enough food for you, she doesn't want you, and you can't have dinner here. Stop hinting and get to the point. <laughs> You're not going to eat with us. Well... If you don't want me, I'll just take these expensive presents I bought for you good people and go home. Well, go ahead, because you... Wait a minute. Presents? Mm-hmm. You mean uh, those packages in your arms are for us? Well, yeah. You were nice enough to invite me to dinner, so I bought something for you, Alice, and the kids. I got a box of my special-made cigars, an orchid, and a real-life Easter bunny. Oh, right. <laughs> You bought a real live bunny just for me? <laughs> yeah, the bunny's for you. Now, if you'll call the kids in, I'll give them their cigar. <laughs> the bunny ain't for you. It's for the kids. Oh, well, I like the other present just as much. Go ahead, Frankie. Pin the orchid on me. <laughs> Curly, the cigars are for you. They're the special kind that I have made for myself. You trying to ignore them? You said it. Them things taste like wet soup greens wrapped in a ripe banana skin. <laughs> you mean you don't like them? I'd rather smoke the orchid. <laughs> or the bunny. <laughs> I wouldn't touch one of them things if you'd Daddy, give... may we color some Easter eggs? You said we could, and... Oh, hello, Uncle Frankie. Happy Easter, kids. I got something for you. Where will I take the cover off this box? I wonder what it is, Phyllis. Yeah, there you are. How do you like it? Gee, an Easter bunny. Oh, thank you. A real live one, too. Isn't it cute, Alice? Yeah, he looks just like Uncle Frankie. <laughs> he don't look like me. Does he, Phyllis? Of course not. She's just saying that because you both have pink eyes. How did your eyes get so pink, Uncle Frankie? From drinking carrot juice <laughs> Now, why don't you girls run along and play, huh? Phil, Phil, who is that at the door? What is it? Oh, Frankie Fine reception She greets me like I was radioactive or something Hey, honey, Frankie brought uh, Easter presents for all of us he brought the kids a bunny, and he got something for you and something for me. Here's yours. Oh, just what I wanted. I haven't had a good cigar in years. <laughs> you still ain't got a good cigar. <laughs> Look, Curly, will you stop trying to palm those cigars off on everybody? Here, Alice, this orchid is for you. Oh, it's lovely. Frankie, it was awfully sweet of you to bring presents for all of us, and I'd like to reciprocate. Won't you have dinner with us? Oh, gee, Alice. 
This is such an unexpected invitation. <laughs> I don't know what to say, except couldn't I have lobster instead of roast beef? <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but I've already put the roast in the oven. And another thing, Frankie, as long as you're staying, I'm going to have to ask you to be careful how you act. You see, we're having company for dinner. Oh, good. We'll have a lot of fun. I love gay dinner parties. Scintillating conversations, sparkling dialogue. Who's coming? Two characters from the Wax Museum. <laughs> We're having Mr. and Mrs. Creighton. She's the school principal. Give me back my presents. I'm getting out of here. Now, wait. <laughs> Frankie, they're very nice people. They're a little formal and straight-laced, but it won't hurt you fellas to meet people like that. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a great evening. I won't know what to talk to her about, and he's so hand-pecked he don't care, dare open his mouth unless she gives him permission. Now, look, fellas, do me so... a favor and act nice when the Creightons get here. And above all, she's a school principal, so watch your grammar. Philip, do you think that is he and she now? <laughs> yes, that might be whom it are. <laughs> are? Yeah, when two people come, you use the plural. <laughs> Look, you two better not do any talking. Let the Creightons lead the conversation. Now, be quiet while I let them in. Leave them in. How do you do, Mrs. Harris? Hello, Mrs. Creighton, Mr. Creighton. It's a pleasure to have you. Won't you come in? Thank you. Come along, Henry. <laughs> you know my husband? Oh, hello. And uh, this is Mr. Remley. Hi. How do you do? And this is my husband. Henry, you may say hello. Thank you, Cora. <laughs> Hello, folks. Oh, Remley, did you hear that kid ad lib? <laughs> Notice the way he slipped that folks in? Oh, well, uh, dinner won't be ready for about an hour. In the meantime, shall we all go in the living room? And, oh, Frankie... Will you escort Mrs. Clayton? Delighted. Madame, may I offer my arm? <laughs> oh, how gallant. <laughs> Mr. Ribley, where did you learn to bow so gracefully? Oh, one acquires a lot of poise from bending over pool tables. <laughs> pool tables? Where? Well... Well, here we are. <laughs> Shall we all be seated? Well, we're all seated. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting down, very nice. <laughs> Sometimes I like it better than standing up. It's kind of a change. Uh... Privilege, <laughs> 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 <Ribbage>, anyone? <laughs> Wasn't it lucky that Easter fell on a Sunday this year? (laughs) 
Anybody care for a cigar? <laughs> Anybody care for a drink? <laughs> Boo! Oh, oh, oh. I just want to make sure everybody was still alive. <laughs> well, dinner should be ready soon, I hope. Isn't there something we can do to amuse ourselves in the meantime? Anybody care to wrestle? <laughs> How about you, Mrs. Harris? Henry! <laughs> well, I take judo lessons, and I got to practice with somebody, and I thought it might be fun with her. <laughs> Do you know judo, Creighton? Oh, yes. You see, I'm rather short in stature. I'll explain, Henry. Yes, poodles. <laughs> when we were married, I insisted that Henry study judo so he could protect me against all those mashers who are always accosting beautiful women. He's been a judo expert for 20 years now. And I've never had any occasion to use him. <laughs> Do you take judo, too, Mrs. Creighton? Mr. Harris, my time is completely absorbed by my educational duties. Oh, I should think it would be, Mrs. Creighton. Your work is very important, and we parents appreciate the training you school teachers give our children. We do our best. However, we must have cooperation for the parents. Sometimes the example set at home by certain fathers counteracts our efforts. Yeah, it's a shame the way some kids don't get no help from their old man. <laughs> I'm always learning my daughter's good grammar. You are? You said it. I ain't going to have no kids of mine talking no lousy English. <laughs> Mr. Harris, I realize everybody hasn't had an education, but I think it's the duty of every parent to acquire some knowledge. I'd suggest you read a few reference books. Like what? Have you ever read the Encyclopedia Britannica? No, I'm waiting till they make the picture. <laughs> that Lawrence Oliver ought to be great in that picture. Mr. Harris, has it ever occurred to you why your children aren't learning the way they should? Something wrong with the school system, huh? There's nothing wrong with the school system. Mr. Remley, what do you think of our present scholastic curriculum? <laughs> Mr. Remley? Frankie! Yeah. What? Whose deal is it? <laughs> Mr. Remley, I asked you a question. Oh. What do you think of the present scholastic curriculum? That's all right, but it'll never replace the Parry Mutual. <laughs> we were discussing education. Oh, education. Wonderful thing. No school should be without it. <laughs> Great for the kids, too. Keeps them off the streets. I do wish there was someone here who had an education that I could talk to. Mrs. Harris, of course, you went to college. Well, I... Oh, college is so important, don't you think? Well, I... We I... never forget our college days, do we? I went to USC, class of 29. And you? MTG, chorus of 34. <laughs> N.T.G.? 
Mrs. Harris. You mean you were a chorus girl? Oh, boy, I'd love to have seen it. Henry! <laughs> Just what did you do in the chorus, Mrs. Harris? Well, I danced a little and I sang a little. You're darn right, and she was great, too. In fact, she still is. Go on, honey. Sing something and show them. But, Phil, I don't think Mrs. Creighton wants to hear me. Of course she does. Look at her sitting there. She's all ears. <laughs> well, I'll pin them back so they don't flap while you're singing. <laughs> Lost my partner, what'll I do? Lost my partner, what'll I do? Lost my partner, what'll I do? Skip to Maluma, darling. Lulu, skip to Maluma. Lulu, skip to Maluma. Lulu, skip to Maluma. Skip to Maluma, darling. Another one prettier than you. I'll get another one prettier than you. I'll get another one prettier than you. Skip to Maluma, darling. Lulu, skip to Maluma. Lulu, skip to Maluma. Lulu, skip to Maluma. Skip to Maluma, darling. Can't get a red bird, a blue bird will do. Can't get a red bird, a blue bird will do. Can't get a red bird, a blue bird will do. Skip to Maluma, darling. Lulu, skip to Maluma. Sugar bowl, shoe, fly, shoe. Cows in the cornfields, two by two. Flies in the buttermilk, shoe, fly, shoe. Long old boot and a run-down shoe. Lost my partner. Oh, what'll I do? Lost my partner. What'll I do? Lost my partner. What'll I do? Skip to my my darling. Ooh, skip to my loo. skip to my loo. skip to my skip to my My darling. How'd you like that, Mrs. Strayton? That kid's got talent, ain't she? Uh, yes. <laughs> Mrs. Harris, I don't wish to be rude, but do you think dinner will be ready soon? Well, I'm afraid it won't be ready for another hour, so, you see, I'm having a roast, and, by the way, I hope you like roast beef. I don't mind it. But no seasoning, please. I can't stand seasoning of any sort. It makes me deathly ill. <laughs> oh, it does, huh? <laughs> Well, if you'll excuse me, i got to go in and see how the roast is no, doing. Girl, you stay here. No, Alice, you enjoy yourself. I'm going in and see how the roast is doing. Excuse no, me, wait please. Wait a minute, Curly. I'll go with you. Excuse me. Uh, wait for me. Uh, excuse Henry, me. Henry, sit down. Yes, dear. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to stand up on a chair and punch her right in the nose. <laughs> Henry, stop mucking. We'll be right back. Come on, Rumble. Yeah, all right. Oh, brother. There ought to be a law against such women. Curly, if she's going to be here for dinner, I'm not staying. Remley, I don't think she's going to stay for dinner. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, you heard her say she can't stand seasoning in her food. Hmm? Now, if we were to go in the kitchen and kind of rub that roast down a little... Uh... <laughs> oh, Curly, you're cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's go, Maestro. Go. On. 
How is the roast doing, chef? It is beginning to acquire a little flavor. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. All is needed was a subtle touch of seasoning. Just a touch. Yes. What have you got in so far? A pinch of salt, a dash of pepper, two cans of paprika, three bottles of Tabasco sauce, four strings of garlic, and a rubber glove. (laughs) And now for the finishing touch, we glaze the roast with a delicate blend of vinegar, lemon juice, and turpentine. (laughs) Yum, yum. (laughs) And just to make sure, we'll add a cup of this. Claret? No, Clorox. <laughs> Clorox. Just enough to fade them a little. Oh, well, look, Remley, we don't need it. It's hot enough now. At least I hope it is. Well, there's only one way to find out. Taste it, girl. Taste it? <laughs> I got a better idea. Let's take it to a bikini and test it. <laughs> Hey, this roast is ready, Remley. Oh, this is a pretty thing. Yeah, you taste it. It's your roast. You taste it. You better do it fast. It's starting to burn its way through the table. Hey, wait a minute. I got it. They make tests on rabbits. Let's try this stuff on that bunny you brought the kids. Curly, please. I ain't going to let you try it out on the kid's bunny. Might kill him. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Mm. Hey, maybe if we could get a hold of another bunny. Hi, and... Mr. Harris. Well, if it ain't old Br'er Rabbit of Bruce. <laughs> Julius himself. Yeah. What are you guys doing? Oh, nothing, kid. Nothing. We're just here in the kitchen. Just getting ready to take a slice of Alice's delicious roast beef. Hey, do you want to see something good, kid? Oh, wait till I cut a slice off. There, ain't that a thing of beauty? It looks delicious, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks nice and juicy and tender. I'm going to have a piece. So am I. I ain't. <laughs> What do you mean, you ain't? I hate roast beef. But, Julius, it's healthy for you. I always eat it. I got to look the way I do today from just eating roast beef. That's a recommendation? (laughs) Now, look, kid, you ought to try this. Miss Faye made it, and believe me, when it's seasoned this way, it doesn't taste like roast beef. What does it taste like? That's what we're trying to find out. (laughs) Well, if it don't taste like roast beef, I might try it. Help me a piece. Okay, but you can't have much. Just one big fat slice. Here you are. Thanks. Oh, Remley, I can't watch this. I gotta cover my eyes. Yeah. We better hold our ears, too. Any second now. Hey! You guys are right. This stuff is good. He likes it. This kid must be keg lined. <laughs> There he goes. There he goes, Remy. Yeah. Watch him whirl. There he goes. Hey, hey. Look at the scalp's trying to leave his head. Yeah, he's what? what? I'm fighting to put me out, somebody. Hey, Remy, I don't think we made it hot enough. There ain't no flames. He's rolling now. Now he's starting to glow a little. Yeah. i got to get the fire extinguisher and put him out. No, it's chilly in the kitchen. Let him heat it up a little.
poor boy. I don't know. He took one bite of Alice's roast beef and went out like a Roman candle. <laughs> I'm afraid that meat is tainted, Alice. Tainted? Yeah. Now, should we all sit down to dinner? Uh, uh, no, no, thank you. I, uh, I just remembered a previous engagement. Goodbye, Mrs. Harris. I'm along, Henry. Oh, but Mrs. Crichton, please don't leave. I had no idea. Mrs. Crichton. She is leaving. What a pity. <laughs> oh, fellas, I don't know what you Mrs. did, but... Mrs. Harris, I came back to talk to you. Yes, Mr. Crichton. Do you realize if my wife had eaten that tainted meat, something drastic might have happened to her? I might even have lost the dear girl. I'm sorry, Mr. Crichton. Well, never mind the excuses. There's just one thing I want to know. What? Where can I buy meat like that? <laughs> Folks, this is Phil again. Down in Galveston, Texas, this weekend, they're doing something of which the whole nation can be very proud. The Greater Galveston Beach Association is holding a four-day welcome honoring General Jimmy Doolittle and his Tokyo Raiders. So congratulations to you, Jimmy, and to all your brave guys. We know you love that Texas hospitality and have a wonderful time. And our thanks to Galveston for again showing our country's gratitude to you and your boys for a deed that will never be forgotten. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Your pennies will save dollars next Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at Rexall's famous one-cent sale. Nearly 300 fine-quality guaranteed Rexall products, two for the price of one plus one cent. Remember, next Wednesday through Saturday, Rexall's one-cent sale, wherever you see the orange and blue Rexall sign on the window. This is Bill Foreman saying good luck to all. Thanks for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Orson Welles in the lives of Harry Lyme, followed by Jack Benny. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.